One size fits all seemed like a good idea for clothes. Nice dress. Uh, it's a it's a T-shirt. Until you tried it on. Same goes for your health care. That's why United Healthcare offers a variety of flexible, budget-friendly coverage for medical, vision, dental, and more. So whether you're between jobs, coming off a parent's plan, or even missed open enrollment, you can find the plan that fits you best. Find out more about United Healthcare coverage at uh1.com. That's uh1.com. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with PlushCare. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. in a deep left field by Castellanos. It will be a home run. And so that'll make it a 4 nothing ball game. Welcome to the Batters Box. My name is David Brudrelli. I'm joined as always by Mike Liu. And the Atlanta Braves are running away with the NL East not looking like much of a competition anymore. The Phillies showed some life in June, but I think it's safe to say the NL East is going to be taken by the Atlanta Braves. The Marlins! The Marlins are sticking right there, but the NL East is going to the Atlanta Braves, it looks like. They have a 100% chance of making the postseason. I think it's like a 99% chance of winning the NL East. And, like, I, I think there's, like, they're, they're going to make the wild card. I, I believe that's, like, statistically impossible for them not to make the playoffs now. That's why it's 100%. But 99% chance to win the NL East. It sure looks like they're going to do that uh, as I bring in my co-host here, Mike Lou, The Atlanta Braves. You've been impressed with them, I assume. 9-1 in their last 10. Absolutely. And even that game against Cleveland, they were throwing out one of their bullpen arms, giving him a start. Um, it was pretty impressive in the last uh, last outing. Not so much in this one, but even like we we all we all shit uh, shit on their division for being kind of mediocre at best. But Cleveland still can pull out a win here and there. So I mean, hey, credit to them for taking Atlanta. But that shouldn't take away from what the Braves have been able to do. How consistent they've been since the start of the season. Um, the only thing is, is that with Atlanta sports, I'm always bothered by absolutes. Because we are all very familiar with their reputation and penchant for choking and all that. So, like, I, I agree statistically it's impossible. Like, statistically, it's very unlikely that they don't win the NL East, that they don't make the postseason. But, uh, I don't know. Like, Atlanta sports is just full of heartbreak. And for me, I, I don't, if I'm an Atlanta, if I'm an Atlanta sports fan, I don't know if I can get my hopes up about the Braves until they actually take it all away. But with the group that they've had, I don't see, I don't see a reason why they wouldn't go deep, wouldn't have a great run in the postseason, because this is a team that's just firing on all cylinders. Like, even at times when their pitching has struggled, when their offense has gone, uh, when their offense hasn't been what we're used to seeing. They've had players step up and fill the gap seamlessly, and I think that's just a testament to how 
just a testament to how well built this ball club is. And this is this is a conversation that we're going to do a whole episode, I think, on building a dynasty or building a success a, a team that is successful for years in the big leagues. I think we'll have a whole episode dedicated to that. But one thing we've talked about before is leadership in baseball, that type of thing. But the other thing that I really want to mention, I think, is so true with the Braves is these teams that are just spending and hoping for success. You look at the Padres, you look at the Mets, we've we've discussed those teams. The Atlanta Braves at one point were like that, where they also spent a lot, but what happened was they spent, they failed, but then some of those guys were still around, and then after they had spent, guys started coming through the strong prospect system, and for the Braves, it's still happening today. Like, like they still have guys coming up. There was Max Fried years ago who came out of nowhere. Y- you look at their rotation, and right now, you've got Kobe Allard and Mike Soroka holding down spots four and five. The, the Braves just options- optioned A.J. Smith-Shaver down to uh, down to the minors, along with Jared Schuster, both rookies. But they have Kyle Wright and Max Fried coming back. This is the best team in baseball without two guys who, quite frankly, are number one and two starters on just about every team in the big leagues. Like, they are top three starters on every team. This team is so deep. They have a guy like Smith Schauber, who's only 20 years old, who's going to be coming around for years. You have Kyle Wright, who's only 27. And like I said, Max Fried as well. These guys, as long as they keep mining talent in the draft and through their prospect system... This is this has the makeup of a team that is not only going to win this year or maybe the year after that, but for years to come. And when I say win, I don't mean necessarily the World Series. We know anything can happen in the playoffs. It's baseball. That's how it works. But they are set up to be a dominant force in the NL East for years. And it doesn't look like that's going to stop anytime soon. You look at this lineup, Mike, compared to what they had in the World Series winning lineup, I take this lineup, this rotation, this bullpen, this team, top to bottom, I take this team over the World Series winning team that they had just a couple of years ago. How important, and this is going back to some previous conversations we've had in episodes, but how important do you think Charlie Morton is? for the identity of this rotation because he's been, this is a 40 year old that's still pitching. Like I think he's at 90 innings this season already, something like that. But how important is Charlie Morton's presence on this team? I think very, because not only do you have that veteran voice who's been there, done that. We talked about that a lot, a couple episodes ago, but just for the coaching staff, like, like let's put the players in the clubhouse aside like, just for the coaching staff to have as many options as they do. Like, 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 think about it like this, Mike. If Atlanta started a playoff series tomorrow, like they make the NLDS, who, like, who, who are their starters? And, and let's say not tomorrow. Let's say they actually, in October, they go to the NLDS. Who, who are their starters? Who is going to be in the starting rotation for a five-game series? Like, like who do they go with where they're obviously going to be looking to sweep that series? Oh, do we go with Bryce Elder? Do we go with Max Freed? Who who should we go with here? Do we go with Charlie Morton? Do we go with Spencer Strider? Like, they have so many guys. They are so deep 
Kyle Wright, I mentioned him a couple times before. They are so deep. They are so deep in that rotation where you have confidence giving the ball to just about anybody in that rotation. And they're going to be a force. They're going to be a force come October. Yeah, like you talk you talk about the options they have at them, and it, it just doesn't feel fair. It feels like this feels like a better constructed uh, Detroit team from the late 2000s to early 2010s. Like these are all pitchers that have their they have their fair share of strengths and weaknesses, but it's all things that you can balance out. And there's not a single right answer. And I think if you're if you're the Braves, I think that's what you're going for because. At any given day, these pitchers can give you a performance that will win you games, and I, I think this is, I think this is where this team shines is because they can just they can just get the job done regardless of how, or, or regardless of what's in front of them. You you look at their pitching staff, you look at the the batting core they've assembled. They, they've got great defense. They've got great bats. I mean, I, I think they can I think they can easily sweep their way to the World Series. I, I genuinely believe that. I, I just want to see it happen. Yep, I, I understand what you're saying about not talking in absolutes, but I absolutely agree with you uh, that that's possible. <laughs> it's at least possible. We, there's no way to guarantee it. It's, it's baseball, right? There's no way to yep. guarantee it, but they are looking like a team that is just going to be a force all the way until the World Series. Okay, quickly moving to the AL here. We talked about them in the last episode. We kind of shit on them a little bit, so we have to <laughs> have the other side of the coin. Alec Manoa. After that horrible start against the college ball players, gets a promotion to double A, makes good on it. His final line in double A, I don't have it in front of me, but it was something like four innings pitch, 10 strikeouts, one earned run, looking like the Alec Manoa of old, the guy who picked up Cy Young votes last year and looked like he could take on college ball players and looked like he should be able to take on double <laughs> A players. After that, the Toronto Blue Jays announced that he will be their starter on Friday against the Detroit Tigers, who have been pretty bad this year. Uh, they just got Tarek Skubal back, and I have him in fantasy, and I'm very high on Tarek Skubal. And he no-hit the uh, the Oakland Athletics yesterday through four innings, but then he was pulled, and they lost that game one to nothing in extra innings. I would just like to point out that the A's won that game uh, one to nothing with Shantaro Fujinami. Picking up the uh, yes, picking sir. Up the win. <laughs> picking up the win. One innings pitched, three strikeouts, strikes out every batter he sees. Picks up the win. Uh, Trevor May getting the save in that game. So hey, if you're an A's fan, all three of you that listen to the show, um, oh. yeah, that's a that's a big win. That's a big win for the A's. But uh, back to Manoa here. They feel confident putting him against the Detroit Tigers on Friday. I'm not sure if I agree with giving him a start this soon. But when I saw it was the Tigers. Hey, I think it's as good as time of, as good a time as any to get him a start and get his confidence back up with the MLB level. That's brutal. What, what will all the Tiger fans say? Um, <laughs> I, um, I personally would have liked to see Manoa come back after the All-Star break. Like, yeah, he pitched really, like, no doubt about it. The New Hampshire start was brilliant. Uh, I think he actually made. I think he made it five innings. But I mean, it, it's playing hairs. But it, it was a great start. I just would have liked to see him pitch a couple games for the, for Buffalo. Um, not so much because he isn't like he he wouldn't be ready, but more so just for a comfort. Like, oh, okay, so he can still he's like progressing through. He's able to do it at each level. I understand it's Detroit. I understand that like. 
chances are the uh, chances are the Tigers aren't going to be able to do diddly squat against Manoa, but. I think it just from from a comfort perspective because it you really don't want to rush a pitcher like Manoa back to the majors in case something else goes wrong. Like you, there's a lot of a lot of the times we talk about the mental aspect of pitching, but I feel like that still gets somewhat overlooked. Where uh, confidence plays such an important role in how pitcher, pitchers deliver everything, and I think confidence along with everything else was a big factor in why Manoa went down in the first place. So. I hope that I hope for the Jays' sake, I hope for Manoa's sake that it all works out. Uh, I I just would have liked to see more time done in AAA. I'll play devil's advocate a little bit here because I I genuinely mm-hmm. do believe this because I was trying to reason with myself why they would start him on Friday, and I think there's something to be said about going into the All Star break with that level of confidence. Now, if it goes poorly, <laughs> different if conversation. If it goes poorly, but we're assuming that he's going to come out. Like I, I think, I think he's going to have a great start on Friday. I think he's going to be really good against the Tigers. So if he is good, like I assume he's going to be, I know that's a big assumption. But if he is good in that start on Friday, I think there's something to be said about sending the guy into the All Star break with that level of confidence that you know what? Yeah, I had a really tough start to the season, but new half, new me. I had a really good start. This is something I can build off of. I think there's something to be said for that. So I I, I don't hate the decision to start him on Friday. Again, if he's going to be bad in the start, it was going to happen anyways before or after the All-Star break. So if he has trouble, at least he can then spend his All-Star break, you know, kind of reflecting on that a little bit and, you know, get in the gym get after it a little bit more in the all-star break. He's got some time to rest. He's got some time to, you know, figure out what he needs to do to improve in his next start, right? Assuming he has a next start, we'll see how bad it is on Friday. If it's bad, I'm rooting for him, man. I'm rooting for him. I hope he makes good on the opportunity on Friday. That's my boy. That's my dog, Manoa. He's one of one of two MLB players who I have the cell phone number of. So I, uh, you look, I, uh, I gotta, I gotta, I gotta go for my boy here. I'm rooting for him, man. What what a flex, hey? Just casually casually dropping the fact that you have Manoa on speed dial. Former Vancouver oh Canadian, God. and I'd like to remind you that I covered the Van- I was going to cover the Vancouver Canadians right before the pandemic hit. So one of the things I got was Alec Manoa's phone number, and I texted him, and we set up a time to talk about an interview. And then like a week later, the world shut down, so we ended up never <laughs> talking. But I did text him when he got called up, and I was like, hey, man super happy for you like keep keep it rolling man and he was like thanks bro and i hey he said it not me alec manoa and i are bros (laughs) sorry (laughs) that's that's the most oh my god (laughs) that interaction that interaction is at like oh my god quads that 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 made my day honestly (laughs) i'm i think I, I think everyone mention. in the Jays organization wants him to do it, but fuck. Oh my god. I should mention that the last text I had to Alec Manoa was in 2021, and we were doing our so show So you cold Sportsnet. texted him? Well, listen, listen, we were doing our show with Sportsnet at the time, oh, and okay. Faber and I had to talk about baseball, and I was like, hey, I have Alec Manoa's phone number, I'll just text him. So I texted him, I was like, hey man, like you, you want to do a radio interview, and he never got back to me. So I should, probably should have gone Aww. through Jays PR for that, but... He, he did Yo. never get back to me on that. And look, I'm not going to text him now. Now it's just, you know, I'm not going to double text, especially with everything he's going through. But hey, I'm rooting for my dog. I'm hoping one day he comes on our podcast. That would be a good get if we get uh, Manoa. But I'm <laughs> not sure really if he's funny. doing much media right now. 
yeah, no, like uh, that just needs to be dialed in, and I, I I totally understand where you're coming from. Where it's like, if he has a bad outing, it was gonna if if he was going to have a bad outing, it was gonna be regardless of if it's before or after All Star break. It, it it it's all just timing, and no matter how you try, like there's always a good way to look at it, and there's always a bad way to look at it, and I think that's just that's just the business of things and you can always it's always with hindsight where you're like oh they should have done this or they should have done this right so it's sort of no win and realistically the only thing that can really make a make a case for what was the right decision is a good manoa outing you know who else i want on the podcast is john gibbons I would really like no. to have John Gibbons. Absolutely. John Gibbons. Have you heard his podcast, The Gibby Show? That I guy, have. I have. That guy can talk, and he, he knows his stuff. Like, he knows his stuff. I think he's a sleeper pick to be a, being a big league manager again. I think a team, like, there, there are a few teams that I can think of that could really use his presence in their clubhouse. And, hey, I think the Maybe, maybe like the Padres? I think the Jays might be one. I don't know about the pot. Well, no, like, like here's the thing. Here, here's, and I, I would like to get John Gibbons' perspective on this, which is why we'll have him on the podcast one day. But here's the thing. I think for him, the most ideal job for him or the best ball club for him to have is a team who's getting older and still hasn't really lived up to expectations. I don't know if that's the Padres just yet. Like, like with Tatis and Soto... I think maybe in a couple of years, John Gibbons is the ideal manager for the Padres. But I like Bob Melvin. I like Bob Melvin right now. And look, I think John Gibbons would also admit to some extent that some of the decisions he made with guys coming out of the bullpen when he was in Toronto weren't the best, but those were the guys he had. So I'm I'm not going to get too into managerial tactics and all that sort of stuff, but I, I don't know if Gibbons is the right guy right now for that Padres team. But hey, one team that I think could use him, at least as a bench coach right now, Toronto Blue Jays. I think he'd be great. I think he'd be a great addition to that team. Another guy who would be a great addition, in my opinion, also of Cam Lewis over at uh, Blue Jays Nation, our friends over there, Nelson Cruz, DFA'd by the San Diego Padres <laughs> yesterday, ahead of guys like Austin Nola, for a team that cannot get offense right now, they go ahead and DFA Nelson Cruz Comes as a bit of a surprise to me, if I'm being quite honest with you. Nelson Cruz, DFA'd by the Padres. I think the Jays should pick him up. I I think the Jays could definitely use someone like Nelson Cruz. Like, having a veteran bat that's proven and someone who is capable of hitting a long bomb, hitting a long bomb, and some, like, clearly, like, still has value at the MLB level. My only hesitation would be who does he what are the impacts of slotting him in as a dh because he's not going to be able to play he's not a positional player i don't think at this point in his career i i don't think you should i don't think that's realistic to expect of him i don't think that's what he's played in a long time i think he's probably a full-time dh that kind of limits your roster flexibility and lineup flexibility and i again we talk about the Jays like having struggling. It's only in the context of the NL, NL AL East because AL East is is a fucking dogfight. Um, I I don't know how important roster flexibility is to them, but it is something that shouldn't be overlooked, especially as they're trying to catch the Yankees, uh, trying to fight for that last wild card spot. Uh, last wild card spot. Okay. Well. Well. Let me let me pose it to you this way. Right now, the Jays' DH, most common DH they have, 
is 35-year-old Brandon Belt, who started the year horribly, has kind of turned it around a little bit, still not spectacular, 259 average, 370 on base percentage, and 443 slugging percentage. Not the best. Not the best. He has knocked out six homers, so, you know, like, not the best, not the worst, but he was hitting three. Like, he's hitting in the third spot in their lineup. Do you mean to tell me that the Toronto Blue Jays cannot use that right-handed bat of Nelson Cruz, that leadership that he would bring? The right-handed bat alone in your DH spot, if you were able to add Nelson Cruz, you were able to add so much flexibility, not so much, but you're able to add some more flexibility to your DH spot that the Jays have lacked this season. They need a right-handed bat. Like, I, I think if, if, if we're looking at what the Toronto Blue Jays need at the trade deadline or whatever, a right-handed bat is one of them, and I think if you can add Nelson Cruz... I think you do it if you're the Jays. Look, like if if you have a lefty pitcher on the mound, you put in Cruz. If you have a righty, you put in Brandon Belt in the DH spot. I think they're pretty interchangeable. Like you've got Kevin Biggio coming off the bench to come DH for you sometimes. Mm-hmm. Like I think they can do better. I think they can do better, and I think Nelson Cruz is a smart ad for this team. I'd like to see them go out and do I, it. I I completely agree with that, and I think if it. Okay, so I think Cruz is the better player than Belt. I, I genuinely believe that. But if you take a look at how their numbers have worked out so far this season, Belt is still posting slashing better so far than Cruz. I, like Cruz is currently having he has a 245 batting average. He's um on base percentage on base percentage of two eighty three, slugging percentage of three. Oh no. Yeah, no, sorry. Batting average is 245, uh, OBP of 283, and a slugging percentage of 399. Brandon Belt, on the other hand, batting 259, OBP uh, 370, and slugging 443. Obviously, we're looking at some very different sample size. Like, we're looking at this season alone in sample sizes. This is accounting for the fact that Nelson Cruz has proven time and time again to be someone that can that can perform over the course of the season but right now what is the incentive to add him i'm not sure the jays management will see Cruz as an immediate upgrade over belt and i don't obviously the right-handed belt uh, right-handed bat might play a big role it, it might might end up becoming a big determinant for it but just from the numbers alone like the first glance at the slashes uh I don't know if the Jays management will be convinced that picking up Cruz will be the right decision and asking Belt to be relegated uh, relegated to a part-time role. I don't know if that's something that will fly very well. Well, the thing is, is like the Jays have also hardly used Belt against lefties already. Yeah. Like Belt has 18 at-bats against lefty pitching this year. So I'm just saying that when you have a lefty on the mound, Cruz is an upgrade. Like Cruz is somebody that you want to have in your lineup. I, I, I just, I think that's the move. Like, I, I think that's the move for this team. If you want to do something before the deadline, because look, the Jays don't want to give up prospects. They don't want to be in a position where they're sellers at the mm-hmm. deadline, but you also can't be aggressive buyers when you're 10 games back of first place in your division. <laughs> the Jays can't be buyers at the deadline right now. Like, they can't be aggressive buyers. They may make one or two moves here and there, but they're not going to do anything drastic when they're, look, like I said, 10 games out of first Two games back of a wild card spot in the absolutely loaded AL. Like the AL wild card race is so close right yeah. now. Like the, the Mariners. Hey, dare I say it? Four straight wins. Mariners are knocking on the door again. I 
I, I don't know. I don't I don't think the Jays can be aggressive sellers. I don't think it hurts them to add Nelson Cruz basically for free. I don't think it hurts them. Yeah. Well, it's a free it's a free ad. And I mean, hey, at the end of the day, I, I think it's still worth a luck worth a pickup seeing what can happen. I'm I'm just not sh- I'm not sold on him being the silver bullet to answer all their questions. And I don't think he is. I don't think that's how anybody perceives it. Never were never hurts to have a speculative ad though for him. Yeah. Okay. Uh, Mike Trout. <laughs> the Angels are dead is what you wrote in our outline here. Uh, Mike Trout landing on the injured list. Also, real quick, before we talk Angels, did you see this? Aaron Judge saying that he's preparing to play through pain no, for years stop it. Stop it. as his big toe heals. For years. Are you kidding me? He's going to play through pain for years? And, and let's put it into perspective, folks, because... This is a right-handed batter who has hurt his right big toe. And what happens when you have an injury that you play through, and I don't know to the extent that Judge is going to play through an injury, but especially your toe, like, you know, squish the bug. It's like when you're punching, when you're swinging, you squish the bug with that back foot. A lot of that weight goes on your back big toe. If you have to make any adjustments, any adjustments, even small adjustments with your swing, Your swing is going to be a different swing than the one that got you to the big leagues. It is going to be different than the one that hit you 61 homers last season. And that's a dangerous game to play if you're the Yankees captain and if you're the heartbeat of the Yankees lineup and the organization at this point. That is a dangerous game to play if you're going to play through injury and playing through the injury means that you're going to have to change anything about your swing at all because Mike... Just one little adjustment, a little tiny adjustment to alleviate some of the pain that you're playing through, that can really do damage to your swing, right? And with Judge, the the thing you notice about his swing is just his, the time that he gets the barrel onto the ball off of his shoulder is ridiculously fast, even by big league measures. Like, like his bat-to-ball speed is ridiculous, and that's why he's able to deposit the ball all over the park, right? It's just how fast he's able to get the barrel around. If that's affected at all, we're really going to see a different-looking Aaron Judge, and definitely not for the better. So, look, if he's playing through this for years, I really hope it doesn't affect his swing, because if it's that kind of pain and it's that kind of injury... It could be a scary game that he's playing with here, and we could, you know, we we could be in danger of seeing him, you know, really fall off a little bit, and I don't think that's what anybody wants to see, so we'll see when he actually returns, but Aaron Judge uh, saying that he might have to play through pain for years, or he's preparing for that uh, after his right toe injury, after running through a wall, I'd like to mention, uh, running through a wall hurts himself, but you want to talk about the Angels. Yeah, well, I mean, I could talk about Judge too, I really don't like the fact that he's saying this <laughs> like it, it as it really bugs me that he say like he's willing to admit that he's going to play through pain because yeah as you mentioned the the loading mechanics of a swing uh, of a right-handed batter swing your weight transfer starts on your back foot and you move to your front foot think about how much how much strain that puts not only on your your feet are everything in this your your stability comes from how planted you are against the ground and if his big toe one of the major points of stability of his foot is compromised in any way that's scary because even if he might not realize it his body's gonna uh, his body's gonna subconsciously compensate like 
he's not going to put as much weight on, on the foot, for instance, or he's going to be a little bit more tender. It's going to be a bit more slow. There's so many different moving parts when it comes to biomechanics that it, it becomes a real concern if he unconsciously starts altering his swing. It, it might just be one little thing as well. And it's it, it might just be one little thing, like perhaps just like one instance, it hurts it hurts when he's stepping. The next time he steps, it's not it's not the same. What does that do for his upper body timing? What does that do for his wrists, his shoulders, his torso? It, it, it all starts to domino. And I really don't want to see him compromise the rest of his career because there's been there's been reports that this is an operable um, this is an operable injury. Um, and if we're reaching that point where surgical the surgical option is being considered, it's something that's not going to end very well if he continues to play through it. It, it, it chances are he's either going to make it worse or he's not going to be near the same player that um, he would like to be or and the Yankees fans want to want him to be. Yeah, absolutely. And like <laughs> that's the thing is, you know, I know I I've seen this in Yankees Twitter's a nightmare. We saw it with the <laughs> Domingo Herman no hitter. Oh god. Um, or excuse me, perfect game. perfect game. Should put a little bit of respect yeah, on yeah, yeah. it. A little, a little bit. bit. We're not going to talk about it anymore. But, you know, th- those Yankees fans that are telling Aaron Judge to suck it up, like no. we've seen you, you did you see what Aaron Hicks yeah. his his return oh my god. to New York? Did you see them booing the <laughs> crap out of him like he like Joey Gallo, Aaron Hicks, these guys that just and now Josh Donaldson, um these guys that that get to New York and they're so excited and then they struggle and just have it have have the constant reminder that they are struggling every day. Every time they walk up to the plate, they get booed. They go to different clubs and they do well. Donaldson obviously hasn't done that yet, but with Hicks and Gallo, they go to different clubs and immediately have success. Like it might be time for those fans to look inward and realize why people think they're like the worst fan base in pro sports. Look, you're telling Aaron Judge to suck it up. These fans would be berating him if he comes back and is hitting below the Mendoza line because he's trying to play through an injury for this team that is so lost without him, right? Like, the team is so lost without him. And, look, I just... I, I Come on. Like, he, he should take all the time he needs. He, owe, he owes nothing to this no. team. That's the thing, is if you can get an operation and you can come back in, like, a year, do it. Come back at 100%. Don't risk, you know... Don't risk tarnishing your good name by trying to play through an injury that you're clearly incapable of playing through. And we don't know if that's the case yet, but I just think you got to exercise caution if you're Aaron Judge here. Absolutely. Selling a little or a lot? Shopify helps you do your thing however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real-life store stage. All the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage. Shopify is there to help you grow. Shopify helps you turn browsers into buyers with the internet's best converting checkout. 36% better on average compared to other leading commerce platforms. Because businesses that grow, grow with Shopify. Get a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash work. Shopify.com slash work. When you're ready to pop the question, the last thing you want to do is second-guess the ring. At BlueNile.com, you can design a one-of-a-kind ring with the ease and convenience of shopping online. Choose your diamond and setting. When you find the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. 
That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off your purchase. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. All right, now, now to the Angels. Um, so let's... <laughs> Seven out of nine of their opening day roster, I believe. That's that's the stat that I saw. They're currently on IL. Uh, obviously, there's a, a lot before then. But then, literally in the span of 24 hours, you have Mike Trout going down with a fractured hamate. That's um, a bone in your hand. Uh, <laughs> that that one is going to be a lot of fun to rehab because all the fine mo- all the fine um, all the fine muscles, all the fine motor control in your hand, and as a baseball player. Uh, like I know they, I know he's expected to come back in August, but that, that that's gonna take some time. Then you have Anthony Rendon, and now Shohei Otani. He didn't let the he didn't let the blister heal, and now he might not be pitching in the All Star game. So, just as just as it was looking, just as it was looking that the Angels might actually be able to do something, might be able to make the postseason in the Shohei Otani Mike Trout era, they're right back where they started. They're three and seven in their last uh, ten. They've lost their last two. They're four games back of the wild card. I I feel really bad for Mike Trout and Shohei Otani. I don't feel bad for Artie Moreno at all, like at all. Like this is this is just I I I think this this is the baseball gods just intervening, being like, fuck this, fuck this owner in particular. You're not getting any playoff revenue. And it, it, it kind of, you know, makes it an easier decision to sell Shohei <laughs> at the deadline, you would think, right? Like, sure. if you're not going to be able to, if you're not going to be able to sign him, then yeah, go, go get your, go get your bag in the form of prospects. Like, go rebuild your organization because that's, that's, this Otani trade, if it happens, and I think it's a little more realistic now, a couple of weeks from now, we're going to do an episode where we just break down Otani trade packages you are going to rebuild your organization in one fell swoop if you do it right. So, look, I, I think if you were the Angels, you have to at least consider it. You have to at least consider trading them, especially if Trout's going to be out for any considerable amount of time. Because this team without Trout, not great. This team with just Otani, not great. Like, like you need both of those guys. You need both of those guys to find success. You just do. The way the rest of your lineups performed this year... Look, it's it's not going to work out for them. It's not going to work out. You've got to make that trade at the deadline. You have to do it. And look, we were saying for so long, um, yeah, this needs to happen. We don't think it will. We don't know if it will because of where they are in the standings <laughs> and how good Otani's played. You can't risk it. You really can't risk yeah. it now. So you got to get something for the asset. I think that's what the Angels are going to do at the deadline. Uh, it, it will all just depend on how how far they fall, if they fall. I think there's I think there's really no doubt in my mind that this team is going to plummet, just because if you're down Trout, as we saw what happened like in the past in the past couple seasons where Trout was out for a prolonged period of time where Otani was literally carrying this team on his back, uh, they they were decent, but they were never good enough to make the postseason, and now that both of them are going to be dealing with things, I I just don't see that this, I don't see how this team will continue to perform. I don't see them catching. Obviously, they're making it to the wildcard game now, uh, especially with everybody else hurt. So, yeah, I, I the, realistically, the trade is probably what we're looking at. And I think if you're going to try and trade Otani, you should trade Trout too. Those two deserve to get out of the inferior Los Angeles team. 
Okay, Logan Gilbert dominated <laughs> on Tuesday. Nine inning shutout against the San Francisco Giants, who are no team to slouch at. And seven strikeouts over those nine innings comes up big for his team on July 4th. I just want to throw this out there that that start was so much more important than I think people realize because Bryce Miller is on the 15-day IL. He's going to be out through the All-Star break. And Wednesday was supposed to be a Bryce Miller start. So without Bryce Miller, the the Mariners are going to Tommy Malone as their opener. Um, I don't know how many innings he's actually going to go, but we can safely assume that today is going to be a full bullpen day. For, for Logan Gilbert to be able to come out and give his bullpen the entire day off where they can be well rested, that is what it takes to win. Like, like that is what it takes to win as a team. That is so valuable for your team if you can come out in these circumstances and do what Logan Gilbert did on Tuesday. Phenomenal job by him. And that's a guy who's had a very up and down year, especially lately. The month of June was not great to Logan Gilbert. Uh, it seemed like one step forward, two steps back with him with his starts. So for him to come out and throw a complete game shutout, absolutely massive for the Mariners who have now won four straight. Maybe I think this is just part of the Logan Gilbert experience where like he will get absolutely blown up. He won't get out of the third. He won't get out of the fourth. And it comes back one Oh five pitches for a complete game shutout. And like he only allowed five hits. It's that is impressive. No matter how you spin it. Do you know who the last Mariner to pitch a complete game shutout was? Felix Hernandez? No. <laughs> this is gonna this is gonna be really funny. Uh take another guess. Is it Robbie Ray? Nope. Okay, no, tell me. You say Kukuchi in August of 2019 against the Toronto Blue Jays. <laughs> Get the fuck out of here. Yep. <laughs> that rocks. That was the day that the Jays decided they were getting Kikuchi one day. <laughs> <laughs> it's been it was three it was three years in the making, and I mean, hey. Uh, <laughs> it's it's worked out it's worked out better this year uh, so may, maybe maybe they maybe he's rediscovering that form but back to Gilbert I mean credit credit to him for performing especially with uh especially with how the injuries have played out for the Mariners rotation and we can talk a lot a lot I know you can talk a lot about how injuries have decimated that pitching rotation but for Gilbert to come in and just to deliver performance like this I think the I, I think the only question now as if this will continue, if he's able to take the momentum, take the progress that he's generated from this start, which is huge. The question is if he can translate that into his next couple starts. The thing that I keep wondering with Gilbert is like, he has to be tipping his pitches because oh, for sure. his <laughs> location in those starts wasn't bad. Like the, the bad starts he's had, if you look at the heat maps and like where his pitches are going, the, they're not bad. Like, he's not missing a lot of pitches. It was just that guys were on top of what he was throwing. And he had to be tipping his pitches. I, I hope they got to the bottom of it. I just, I don't know. I, I really, really don't know um, what uh, what the answer is with Logan Gilbert. Yes, let's see if he can build on it. Um, okay, moving away from the Mariners. You wanted to get a couple things in here. The worst game of the year between the Oakland Athletics and the Detroit Tigers. I brought it up. Tarek Skubal. That's my sleeper pick for the Cy Young baby. Uh, no, no, seriously, it's a great start for Scooball, who's coming back from UCL surgery, I believe. Um, took, had the surgery in August, so uh, really nice to see him back. 
and he pitched really well. He pitched really well, goes four innings, and then got pulled. Uh, didn't get, didn't allow a hit, didn't allow an earned run, but he did hit one batter in that inning, so they put, pull, pulled him out. Obviously, want to be careful with him, uh, but a good start for him. You called it the worst game of the year. Why? I... This is completely from a fan perspective because obviously you you talked about Scooball and how he had a great performance. If you look through it as a fan perspective, you realize just how fucking miserable it would have been to sit through that. Uh, the 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 Ace Tigers game was ended one to nothing through ten innings, so one inning of extra base, one inning of free baseball. There were eight hits total between both teams. All of them were singles. Not a single pitcher had more than six strikeouts. Like, as a fan, what the fuck? What, like, on top of all of this, Pepsi did the, uh, Pepsi did this thing where they created Cola Ketchup. Uh, I, the official name I really don't want to say because it's so fucking cringe. But um, they made Cola Ketchup and they served it uh, at, at the ballpark. If that's your only highlight of that game, I feel fucking bad for you. This This game had nothing to it. The play was boring. There was nothing going on in the ballpark. You had, I don't even know what to call this. Like, do we just do we just straight up talk about how the fact you're putting Coke ketchup on a hot dog and that's your highlight of the game? Like, what the fuck are we doing? <laughs> Fourth of July, baby. Fourth what? of July. That sounds American. It's to me. so American. I, I try it. No, I mean it, it was only I four ballparks. It. And then let me let me take a look at that list. Um, Chase Field, Yankee Stadium, Target Field, and um, Comisera Park. Uh, the that that uh, that was it. Um, those were the only four ballparks that served it. I don't know how it is. It sounds vile. Like to me, the flavor profile does not make any sense. Cause Pepsi, the Pepsi flavor profile, along with how sugary, how sugary American ketchup is. Like fuck, I don't know if anybody's really tried American ketchup and paid attention to American ketchup. That shit is disgusting. It is so obnoxiously sweet and it just tastes processed. So you add that and Pepsi. Uh, how is that supposed to do anything for hot dog? Are, are you telling me that this is that this is a good food product? It, it, you can't, in, in no planet does this combination make sense. I'd try it. <clears throat> I'd try it. I definitely would. I would try it too. Uh, I would just be... On the topic of food... On the topic of food... Uh, did you see this? Schneider's is selling footlong hot dogs sponsored by the Blue Jays. They're selling footlong hot dogs like in grocery stores. In grocery stores? I thought about buying Ew. it. <laughs> yeah, but there's no buns. You you can't buy buns. Like There's no footlong bun that's also being sold. So I'm just... I'm trying to figure out who is buying these footlong hot dogs. Like... Because there's no buns. There's no buns being made that are a foot long. You can't just buy a foot long hot dog and then go go to the bread aisle and find your foot long hot dog bun to go along with it. There are no buns being made. And anyways, just something I want to get off my chest. <laughs> I feel like we need a okay. food ramp. Um, Dustin May needed Tommy John surgery. But uh, more more importantly, Roki Saki. Uh, Sasaki, excuse me, <laughs> Roki Sasaki. <laughs> I was gonna say um, I was gonna murder you. Who has a 99, 99 overall card in MLB The Show? That is absolutely dominant. Uh, you want to touch on this? He threw eight innings of shutout ball. Go yeah. on. Yeah, uh, like we talked about Logan Gilbert, Logan Gilbert start and uh, across across the Pacific in uh, in Japan in NPB. Sasaki threw eight innings shutout ball, one hundred and six pitches. He had eleven strikeouts. 
to become the first MPB pitcher to reach 100, 100 strikeouts on the season. I think he has 107 total on the year. Um, this, again, this is a 21-year-old kid. We saw how good he was at World Baseball Classic. For the fans that pay attention to the MPB, pay attention to baseball overseas, they, they've known how good Sasaki ha- is and will continue to be. And he's shown signs of improvement. And I think it's really, really... He will be big if he comes over. And I, I know that that was a lot, what a lot of people said about Fujinami as well. Like, uh, before, obviously, they wanted him to come before, uh, before Hanshin completely fucked him, uh, fucked his career up for the rest of the time. Um, I, I think that he's going to command a massive bidding war for whichever team wants to acquire his services because this kid can throw a fucking baseball. Like, Oh my god, the the heat, the variation, how he pitches. There there is so much to like and we can we can talk about how MPB uh, MPB batters aren't exactly like MLB standard, but they're not fucking bad. They're re- they're very solid and this is a kid that's just lighting them up. So I I'm really excited to see what it'll be like when he trans- when he inevitably comes comes to North America. I want to see which team he ends up with. I want to see him uh, I want to see him pitch in a major league game. I'd be really excited to see how he stacks up. So he's only 21 years old. When can he come? When can he come to MLB? When can he come? I think there I think it's when his contract Hold on. I'm going to I'm going to try and I'm I'm going to do uh some searching right now, but it, it's going to take it's not going to be as soon as soon as people think. Because of many different reasons, we we saw how Otani didn't come over for the longest time. Uh, let's let's take a look. He currently won't be able. So, underneath the because Japan has its own system, he won't be able to come until he's twenty five years old at the earliest. So it's the twenty twenty seven season. Okay. So we have four years before he's able to come to MLB, and I think. He's expressed that he wants to come to North America and play MLB baseball. So there's no question that he's going to come. Um, I, I just want to see, I want to see him go into a better situation than Otani, uh, Otani did. Like, uh, no offense at all to the Angels, but someone that can make use of him. Someone that can absolutely give him the platform to shine. I just want to point out uh, his current team in uh, NPB is the Chiba Lot Marines. So one letter off of Mariners. Uh, and I think on that note, we'll close it out. He's uh, coming to the Mariners, folks. Coming to the Mariners, <laughs> one letter off. He can just take a Sharpie and just add an R onto all of his pre-existing equipment, save money that way. Like, hey, I I, I really hope the Mariners can land this guy. But we'll, we'll talk in four years about it. I'm sure uh, this won't be the last time we talk about Roki Sasaki. Oh, for sure. <laughs> um, yeah. <laughs> all right. We'll close it out there. Um, All-Star Week's coming up. Who's your pick to... Do you, do you want to quickly do uh, Home Run Derby picks? Home Run Derby picks. Yeah. Do you want to Do you want to quickly do your... Here, you, you, you pull it up while I talk yeah, yeah, about yeah. the... Uh, like, like, you figure out who you want and, and think about it. Take your time. Because Adley Rutschman was just added to it. Okay? Uh, Pete Alonso, I'll read off the participants so people can at least hear mm. it. Adley Rutschman of the Orioles. Pete Alonso of the Mets. Randy Arozarena of the Rays. Mookie Betts. Surprised me a little bit. Mookie Betts of the Dodgers. Vladimir Guerrero Jr. Vladdy uh, re-entering the... Home run derby. Maybe we'll do a bracket. We'll do a bracket, put it up on the Twitter. Uh, Julio Rodriguez of the Mariners, who, don't forget, finished runner-up to Juan Soto last year. Soto's not doing it this year. Soto's not doing it. 
hometown kid. Uh, I think Julio Rodriguez is going to take this one. He was also one of the last to be added to the All-Star game itself. So uh, I'm excited to watch that. I got my J-Rod jersey. I'm for sure going to be watching that. Uh, I, I think he's going to win it. I think he's going to win the home run derby, man. He knows that park. I like. He knows that park. I, li- I think I think J-Rod's going to win I it. like the J-Rod pick, but it's got to be Vladdy, right? Like, Vladdy has, out of all of them, the most power potential, I think. Like, uh, I'm actually, no. Alonso, Alonso comparable, but Alonso also has just been... Oh, this is tough. Actually, I, I was gonna, I was gonna say Vladdy well, hands down, but now I'm thinking Alonso has a shot. Oh. Well, here's the thing. Here's the thing is let's not forget it's a bracket system. Yeah. Okay. So I think a Rosarena and Rutschman are gonna be out pretty early for sure. And I hope to God that they don't match up Julio and Vladdy <laughs> against each other in the first round because there's four players from the AL, four players from the NL. If, if, if Julio and Vladdy face off in the first round, whoever wins that round is winning the Derby, in my opinion. Like, oh, yeah. I, I, don't, I don't think it's going to be Pete Alonso. I don't, I don't think it's going to be Alonso. Um, even though he's kind of the home run Derby king, and if he wins it, he'd be the only player other than Ken Griffey Jr. to be a three-time winner of the Derby. Wait. I understand that. Like I understand how much hype is surrounding it, but I still think... Whoever wins between J-Rod and Vladdy is who goes on. I just hope it's not in the first round. I, I just hope they don't make a first-round matchup against those two. And then it's Adley Rutschman versus Randy Arozarena. Like, I, I really hope it's not like that. I hope they, you know, mix it up a little bit and, and make it a little bit more fun. Because I hate watching those rounds where you know who's going to win, yeah, right? it sucks. Like, it's boring. But hey, let's let's not forget Albert Pujols last Fuck. year, right? Where everybody was <laughs> like, oh yeah, Pujols is going to choke. Didn't he knock off? Alonzo? Yeah. Wasn't it Alonzo that he knocked what? off? Yeah. Something like and that. Schwarber? It was ridiculous. Yeah, he knocked off Schwarber. This dinosaur. It was a good tournament last year. Yeah, and, and let's let's give a little bit of credit to Major League Baseball here for actually making this an event we want to watch. Yeah. Because we've seen a lot of and a lot of North American sports and, leagues and really All-Star struggle weekend? to make their events work. NHL yeah. fucking NHL All-Star boring. Weekend is a prime example. Yeah, exactly. Um so added- I'm interested to see it, but Added dra- I'm gonna go with uh, I'm gonna go with J Rod as my winner. Added drama, like what 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 better place for Alonso to join Ken Griffey Jr. as the only three time winner than in and then in T-Mobile Park? Like that, <laughs> it'd be pretty. That'd be pretty sick. Um, I might I I think it's gotta be Vladdy for me though. Um, like I I agree. Whichever one between uh, J Rod and Vladdy. Whoever comes out uh, out of their matchup as the winner is going to win the Derby. I think that's true, but I'm going to go with Vladdy here. All right, all right. Let's see it. I'm I'm excited. I'm very excited to watch it. And there's no uh, there's no uh, bracket out yet, so we can't do it. Like we can't make a graphic of it yet because it's not out on MLB.com <laughs> yet. But hey, I, I'm going with J Rod. I'm going with J Rod. Right. I really think it's going to be J Rod. All right, we'll close it out there. We'll revisit that and talk more all-star stuff. I'm thinking Friday we'll do another episode of one of these here. So uh, thanks to everybody who tuned in. Thank you to all of our subscribers, which has been growing, I might add. Uh, If you're new to the show, be sure to hit that subscribe button and leave a review. It helps us. It helps us grow the show. And maybe one day we'll be able to get Alec Manoa on the show. But for now, we'll close it out there. For my co-host, Mike Liu, my name's David Guadrelli. Thank you so much for tuning in to another episode of The Batter's Box. 
Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details.